HR means to me, adding genuine value to whatever organization you're working in or for, it's only ever going to be people that make the difference. So any any of the big theories around uh, leadership or what makes a great business. So I've just been reading um, Good to Great by Jim Collins. Um, and obviously it talks about a lot of things, but actually nearly all of it comes back to people. <laughs> Everything else is going to flow from that. Welcome to the HR L&D podcast with your host, Nick Day. Tune in to discover what it takes to truly develop within human resources as we delve deep into growth, engagement and leadership strategies that will help you unlock the hidden potential within your business. By listening to this podcast, we hope to empower you and your workforce towards achieving significant HR organisational success. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Emma Wynn to the HR L&D podcast. Now, Emma is the founder of Gateway HR Services. They're an HR outsource provider. Emma herself founded Gateway HR in 2007. She has an MA in Human Resources Management. She's lectured for the University of Northampton, and she possesses the CIPD at master's degree level. We sit down, have a fantastic chat about all aspects of HR. We find out a lot more about what personable HR means to Emma, as well as what the dark side of HR means as well. We also discover a lot more about the employee engagement process, why the employee experience is just so important. And we analyze as well well, the personalization of HR, again, looking at aspects that step away from things that are on trend at the moment, such as artificial intelligence. And it would be remiss of me as well not to discuss Emma's involvement with the Chartered Management Institute or the CMI, because I know that something she's really passionate about is designing and delivering management qualifications to develop the leaders of tomorrow. So there's loads packed into this episode. I think you're going to really enjoy it. So if you're ready, grab yourself a cup of tea, grab yourself a coffee, make sure you're somewhere comfortable, because this is going to be a really interesting conversation about all aspects of HR. Emma is really engaging and I'm really excited to have this opportunity. So I hope you're ready. And remember at the end of this podcast, please do like it, subscribe to it and share it with all of your friends. And if, of course, if you are struggling to resource strong HR talent right now, then please do give me a call or drop me an email at nick at jgarecruitment.com. We are specialist HR recruiters. So we're here to help. Please do give us a shout. Right, let's begin. So Emma, how are you today? Welcome to the HR L&D podcast. How are you feeling? Yeah, really good today. Thank you. Yeah, very good. It's actually our, our 12th birthday as a business today. So there's been some cake, so it's all good. <laughs> ah, congratulations. We've got cake here as well, actually. You've got two people's birthdays in the office. Not quite as glamorous as a 12-year anniversary, but hey, congratulations. Great news. <laughs> Thank you. So for those that probably won't be familiar, I'm really excited to welcome Emma to the podcast today. I met Emma quite recently at a business conference, which was hosted by the RDL which is the recruitment uh, directors lunch club um, where loads and loads of recruitment owners get together talk about recruitment and Emma is kind of like our goddess of HR where all the recruitment leaders like myself don't know where to go and need some support on from an HR perspective we kind of go to Emma and we outsource our services to her to say Emma we need some help and it was a really great conference in Ibiza really good chat about you know all aspects of HR and business and all sorts I thought you know what I would be absolutely remiss not to get you on this podcast today so we can have a little bit more of a chat about what you guys do at Gateway HR, about your background, because you know, you've know you got a wealth of HR expertise that I know my listeners will would love to hear about to find out how you got your business going, kind of services you're offering at the moment, how you're seeing the market. So really excited to have you on board. Five quick questions. Understanding where we are to know where we are going. What I would like to do just to begin and just to sort of I guess, set the scene is I wonder if you could just tell our listeners a little bit about your background, your journey into HR and kind of what led you to uh, founding Gateway HR Services. Yeah. Um, well, my journey into HR started um, after university. So I did a, a business studies degree um, and then you could specialise. Um, and I went to the HR side, which coming, as most people do, school to university, didn't have a lot of ideas to what that meant, but I just knew that I think people are absolutely fascinating sometimes the good and sometimes not so good <laughs> um so I went down the hr route which was definitely the right decision uh to to do um i think part of that is also because before hr i trained to be a primary school teacher but then decided that's not what i wanted to do um but what i do really enjoy um is the learning and development side so whether that's with <laughs> not anymore primary school children um or adults people to learn um, and put things into practice. So 
Um, I did that. Um, HR, as a lot of your listeners will probably know, is quite difficult to get into. So did a, a couple of kind of office manager roles to start with um, and kind of shaped those to be more about HR than anything else. Um, and then my first um, full-time HR role was in a, a manufacturing um, organization. Um, so a really interesting uh, place to learn lots of different uh, challenges and issues, uh, ranging from obviously recruitment and finding the right people, keeping them um, and building a culture where it's not about the, you know, the people on literally on the uh, the shop floor compared to the people in the offices, which was quite prevalent. Um, and then from there, complete change, went into healthcare. So I was a, a HR manager for what was, and I think still is, the largest mental health hospital in the UK. As you can imagine, a completely different environment, different challenges, um, but a really interesting place to be. Um, and that's where a lot of my interest in mental health came uh, came about because obviously I wasn't on the clinical side, but spending all my time with clinicians, um, I learned a lot in that time. Um, and then in between all of that, um, well, initially I did my CIPD qualifications um, and then quite soon after finishing was asked by the university to come back um, and start teaching them. So I worked at the University of Northampton for uh, about, about nine and a half years, <laughs> um, delivering on professional programs as well. Fantastic. So how did you then go from that teaching process into, I guess, an HR, sort of launching an HR services business? Yeah, so um, coming towards my end of my time at the hospital, um, as lots of people do, I started a business after coming to the end of my second period of maternity leave and that kind of point in your life where you decide, what do I want to do? Do I want to go back um, and carry on um, or do I want to do something differently? Um, at that point, before I'd gone on maternity leave, I had moved a lot more into the learning and development side, um, fascinated by um, what I sometimes call the dark side of HR. So all the things that you don't want to do. So disciplinaries, grievances, um, absence management, but also looking at it in a different way, thinking actually if we train our managers really, really well, these things don't happen that often. So I was working on projects in that area before maternity leave. Um, and then when I came to make the decision, I thought, actually, that's what I would like to be able to do for businesses of all sorts of different different sizes. And it's really grown, hasn't it? I mean, if you go to go to your website, you can see all the different leaders that are part of your business. I know you, you, you're working as managing director of the business. And you've got you know 20 plus now sort of HR professionals, all with different areas of expertise, helping businesses across a, a range of services. So that, that growth is, is, is really quite impressive because often, you know, there are a lot of HR consultants doing really good work as sort of one man bands, if you like, or one woman bands, whatever you want to look at it. But, you know, you've actually grown Gateway HR to something much bigger. So how's that growth occurred and how have you led that that direction? Yeah, um, it's occurred. Um, I, I'm a relatively humble person, so I'd say organically, but a lot of our work comes through word of mouth. So doing a really good job for one client, and that works particularly well uh, within the RDLC that you mentioned. So working with one or two businesses and then they talk, talk to other people uh, within their network. Quite a few of uh, my students actually became clients. So as they progressed kind of in, the, in their HR careers, they then got back in touch, either, either from a HR point of view, but more, more often from a management development point of view. So they then have teams and based on what, you know, what I covered when I was uh, teaching them. So actually, can you come and teach our guys and girls how, how to do that? Um, and in terms of growing the team, one of the the... Like you said, a lot of HR consultancies, apart from the really big kind of national ones, a lot of them are uh, one person by themselves, which is obviously how I started. But I identified relatively quickly that for lots of businesses, if they've got uh, an HR issue and they want advice there and then, if you're one woman, in this case band, and you're with a client all day, your other clients are waiting. So you're potentially either not offering the service that, wanted to or you're losing you're losing clients because they say well well we can get hold of you you're great but if we can't we need somebody who's always there so that's what we've always well the last um, eight years I think it is I've always said that there will always be a fully qualified HR person in the office so um, you know during office hours so whenever you ring 
you're never going to have to wait. Sure, sure. And that's, you know, that's, that's certainly how we came across you, word of mouth and, and great reputation. So, um, you know, I hadn't heard of you guys before, but it's someone with, as you say, within the RDLC network said, you, you know, I had an HR issue that needed dealing with. And, um, you know, we, we put, you put us in touch with yourself and, and we're now on the on the podcast. And we now work together as clients, which is which is great. And you mentioned earlier something about which I know that you, you talk a lot about the dark side of HR, the disciplinary redundancies, the, the documentation piece. But I know from chatting to you in Ibiza, you're equally passionate about and vocal about promoting the good side of HR, too. So obviously, we're really keen to raise the profile of HR here on the HLND podcast. I wonder if you could just sort of expand on what you mean by the good side of HR. Yeah, the good side. I want to say, if you get if you get that that side right, you only have to cross over to the other side um, very occasionally. So um, a lot of it is looking at the culture of of the workplace or the business that you're that you have or that you're building. So are you building a culture where people, you know, they want to come to work, they want to do a good job, they know what they're doing, they feel you know involved and part of that, and they have a good a good management and a leadership team. Um, or is it a culture where people don't really re- don't really want to be there? <laughs> if they've got you know, the classic, if you've got a slight sniffle, <laughs> if you don't really like work, you're much more likely to call in sick. And this is not don't get me wrong, this is not about coming to work. If you're poorly, you should stay at home. <laughs> but that kind of decision, or how hard am I going to work today? Sure. Um, so we do a lot of work with businesses on looking looking at their culture and how you know why would why do people want to come and work for you and do a good job when they're there. And I know that um, you know employee engagement seems to be the buzzword from 2019 2020. It, it, it's it's on everyone's radar at the moment, and a lot of businesses assessing their culture at the moment and what that means, and looking at their values and those kind of things. What advice would you give businesses who perhaps have either have employee engagement issues or perhaps want to improve their current levels of employee engagement? Yeah, um, I would say the first thing is to get um, some kind of measure in place. So uh, there's all sorts. Of, there's quite a lot of free, <coughs> excuse me, different resources and apps that you can use, or there's some that you can you can pay for um, but basically to get get that measure or depending on the size of the business have one-to-ones with everybody to say how you know what, what is it like to work here what's good you know it doesn't have to be overly scientific obviously there's lots of research into um, engagement but I always say you need to find your baseline <laughs> and what do people think what could be better um, and then work on work on improving that and again there's lots of research into that but quite often the answers are within the business um, so what do people enjoy about working for you? What irritates them for want of a better way of doing that? Kind of asking those questions. If if you had a magic wand or if you could have one one thing that was different, what would that be? So it's really getting on, getting to grips with, um, you know, how people are actually feeling, perhaps not necessarily vocalising. So really sort of trying to get to get underneath the, uh, I don't know what the word, underneath the hood, if you like, and what people are feeling about a business and then trying to to react to that. Yeah. And I, I always say to businesses, don't don't ask if you don't want to know. So lots of businesses do um, engagement surveys or staff surveys or whatever they want to call it. Um, and then it never, ever gets mentioned again. Oh, and that actually does more. Yeah, I can imagine because then people, people have, raised, have raised something and then it's almost like it's been forgotten, which I guess probably has a counter. counter Absolutely. <laughs> they're trying to achieve one thing that ends up being counterproductive. Yeah, because then people think, well, why did we, you know, why did I take that time? Why did I tell you my honest opinion if you didn't want to know what it was? And quite often, it's not the want to know. It's because maybe they're maybe they're a little bit shocked. They don't get the results that they wanted. And then they think, oh, I don't know what to do with this. But equally, businesses are busy. And before you know it, you're three months down the line. <laughs> sure. Now, I know that obviously you're, you're head of training, um, obviously, for, for Gateway HR. you clearly are passionate about training because right from when you started to be a teacher you've obviously gone back to university to teach you now had a training for, for your current business and I, I saw a quote I think in one of your blogs um, on your site where you talk about where when people are managed and developed well it's really the best thing that can possibly happen for both the individual and the organizations they work in I wondered if you could expand on this in terms of where you've really seen this come to life I don't know if there's you know I have to necessarily mention company names or things but where there's been an example where you've actually seen that transformation and, and the results of that kind of transformation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, uh, this morning, actually, I was running a uh, CMI group. So that's Chartered Management Institute at level three. So that's mainly kind of team leaders and aspiring managers from lots of different companies um, completing a qualification with us. But the, the first thing that somebody said to me this morning when they came in, which you know made my day, was that 
had been he'd recently been promoted um and he said it's absolutely to do with the course he said because i've learned so much and did done done things differently which gave him the confidence to go for that different role but also part of his interview feedback was um how how he's changing as an individual in terms of how he's working and we quite often get uh within Either within businesses, sometimes people then get back in contact and say, actually, I'm now working somewhere else <laughs> because it gave me the confidence to go for a different role. And that's not necessarily about not liking where they were. Perhaps at that point in time, there's not a gap um, at the right level. Um, that's really getting people to think through. Uh, that, uh, that's what most of our training looks at. Obviously, there's lots of knowledge sharing as well, but it's always practical. So from what we've covered, in a certain session, right, okay, what can you do with that back in the workplace? So it's not that you've had a nice day out. Sure, sure. And I, I can totally appreciate how that would be a real um, motivator for you as well, because you know, in recruitment, we're all about hopefully trying to get people to fulfill their potential at that point in their career by by helping them with career moves. And when someone does get a move that they either thought was beyond them or that's really challenged them to secure and they get it and they're in that role and they call you a year later by saying, you know, how much it's changed their life. Okay, it's not a training piece, but it, it's amazing the feeling you get to watch someone, you know, develop by by pushing themselves. And if you've helped, even albeit on a small way on that journey, it's it's, it's a really, you know, really lovely part of being a recruiter. And I'm sure you get the same kind of um, endorphin rush from yeah it is it's lovely I said yes like from this morning I said you just made my day and he actually works for um a charity um and he's now a, a senior support worker and he was you know he he was so pleased but I thought that's great for the the clients that they look after yeah of course because not just for his personal development I guess he adds more value and more you know return on investment or whatever you want to put it to the business he's representing as well which is which is great for the charity in that example now, I know that um, you're also really passionate about seeing HR and people management as a, as a truly valued function within businesses. And you're as passionate as we are here in the podcast about raising the profile of HR. I know that your personal strap line is for Gateway HR is kind of welcome to personable HR. So tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, we've um, I've always had a bit of an issue with HR, being, whether that's in an internal function or, or external as being known as kind of the, whatever the police of the organization or the department that says no, or, you know, you only get to see HR if you've done something wrong or something is wrong, um, which is a real kind of bugbear of mine. But I also think that sometimes HR creates that for themselves by only behaving in that way, which might be a little bit controversial. Um, so the personable HR is that actually it is all about, it is all about people getting the best from people the, the benefit of the individuals, but also the teams and the organisations. So whether that's personable or line managers to, to give us a ring and say, oh, I'm not quite sure what to do in this situation. I want I want to get it right. But also when we're on site in organisations, that actually we're, we're seen. So one of our team um, has spent the last two months in a manufacturing company um, in Northampton looking at, again, looking at the culture, what's working, what's not working. Um, and they have had previously had internal HR um, and the feedback being also almost like, oh, we actually get to see you then. We actually get to talk to you, <laughs> tell you what we think. You're not just, you know, doing, you know, filing and paperwork and compliance. You're actually interested in what we think about working here and what, what we would like, <laughs> which for that organisation is a real revelation. But for us, that's the way it should be. Sure, and it must feel for the people in that business that are you know that are working with your with your consultant. It, it must feel like it's a genuine extension of the business. So it's not just a you know end of the phone call. Actually, they can go into that office for that period of time, and if they've got issues to deal with. There's actually a, a face rather than a robot or a telephone helpline that can really really support them, uh, which must be really nice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so she's got yeah, so she's got a base within uh, you know kind of within the shop floor, so people can just drop in and ask questions. But equally you know, with or complying with all the right health and safety side being manufacturing, but actually, you know, she can have a wander around, just talk to people, see how people are getting on. If she knows that somebody's been off sick, actually making the time to go and, you know, find them and check that they're okay. And do they need any other support and, and things like that? So is that kind of personable side? But yeah, sometimes there are things that HR gets involved with which are are not so nice, but actually if we bring it back to the person, those things happen a lot less. 
just sorry, left field here, but I got an email yesterday. I think it's quite relevant. An email from a, a company that was trying to sell me a chatbot HR service. So if you're currently got an HR professional or you outsource HR services as we do to you guys, um, actually we could streamline our HR process by using this HR chatbot, which can handle 600 conversations at the same time and handle all of my HR problems, whatever they might be, whatever the size of your function, through the use of a robot. And I found that quite terrifying because personal issues with HR, whatever it might be, are so wide ranging, even for a small business like mine, the idea of a robot answering that. And maybe I'm a bit of a dinosaur, I don't know. And certainly I've had a podcast uh, in, in the past talking about disruptive HR tech and you know it, it is changing the industry for sure. But I thought that was quite alarming. Like it's such a personal to person industry in my eyes that the idea of a chatbot handling all of my HR issues across my whole team, and I've only got a small team here in comparison to some bigger businesses, I don't know, I, 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 I'm flabbergasted, but... Um... No, I mean, if you're a dinosaur, then so am I, because you just think, well, well, there's various things, isn't there? You know, if it's, you know, if it's a chatbot, then it's only got how many different combinations. And that's why I like, that's originally why I went to HR, because I thought everybody's different. <laughs> you know, I know some of the much, much larger organisations are, you know, potentially, obviously, careful what I say, staffed by people who are not qualified because they have flow charts and things like that. But I always say people don't fit into flow charts. <laughs> what happens when somebody is in a way that you're not expecting? But also, how would that make the people in that business feel that the thing that you streamline is the bit about looking after them? <laughs> that, totally agree. Totally agree. Now, obviously, I want to be really transparent to listeners here. I'm a small business. Everyone knows it. JJH, I'm a We're a niche HR recruiters, and we do outsource our HR services to Gateway HR. And so I'm obviously a huge fan of what you guys do. It was, a, a, for me, a really obvious solution. I'm a, a managing director of this business, but I'm not an HR expert. I'm a recruiter. That's what I do. And it might work in the HR space, but that doesn't make me an HR pro. So I want the pros to look after you know, the areas that I'm not a pro in, if you like. And that's why I also got you guys involved. So although I understand the solution and I understand why I work with you guys, there are obviously loads of small to medium enterprises and, and, and other companies out there across multiple, multiple sectors who maybe haven't considered outsourcing their HR services before. From your perspective, you know, working in the industry, uh, Emma, what do you think are the key advantages or considerations uh, a business should think about if they were considering outsourcing their HR process? Yeah, um, I would say the, the main consideration is is make sure that whoever, whoever you go with, that they are you know fully qualified. They know they know what they do. So who's going to be offering that advice? How how well not just how well trained are they, but how experienced are they? Because there's so many different aspects of HR. So firstly, yeah, obviously as you would kind of quality check who you're going to be working with, um, but also look at look at the um, sort of the levels of service um what's included what's not included um you don't want to be stuck with a huge bill <laughs> that you weren't expecting um but it's very much about getting an organization that understands your business so we have you know well well over 100 clients but we can genuinely say we know all of them and what they do and that ranges from like i say quite a lot of uh, recruitment businesses but we work with uh, manufacturing, uh, vets, schools. Um, so we we always say that HR, in terms of legislation and processes, is pretty much the same in any sector. But what what you need to know to offer a good is how how does that business operate? What's it, what's important? Obviously within the law, um, but what are their priorities? What are their biggest challenges? And not not offering things that that don't fit. <laughs> So was but what do you think are the risks for those like you know i was in this camp to be to be fair when we first started because you know when you first launched a business as i did on my own in 2008 and you don't really i didn't feel like i need an hr service when it was just me it, when i eventually i got to a point where okay now i've got a, a team of people and it's getting bigger and bigger and you know i can't handle this anymore what are the risks do you uh, do you think are out there for those business owners that perhaps are running similar sized companies to me but have never even considered outsourcing their HR because they think they've got a handle on it because as you say they've seen some flow charts or things like that what are the what are the risks out there for that kind of business in your mindset yeah I, I always say two types of risks so you've got the like the legislation the compliance side so again lots of people will say oh, well I can I can download for example an employment contract or a, a disciplinary policy but it's the classic that if you don't know what you're looking for you wouldn't know whether whether it fits <laughs> does that make sense so like I would never 
venture into doing all my accountancy myself because that's I'd be bust by now. That's not <laughs> that's not my thing. Um, but it's that compliance side, making sure that as a business you're protected. So looking at contracts, um, what are people who abide by? Um, obviously, you know the really important stuff, kind of pay hours, notice periods. Certainly in the recruitment world, um, things around restricted covenants, what people can and can't do whilst working for you um, and outside of that, uh, but also having the key policies in place. So some of which are a requirement for, but even if they're not, we always say to people, if you don't have them in place, when you come across a challenge, if you haven't got a policy, it's quite difficult to manage. Whereas if you've got a policy, uh, you've got a structure to follow. And obviously you can always put it in at the time, but an employee rightly is like to say, well, have you just created that? <laughs> Because So you've got all of that, which is kind of, like I said, kind of the dark side, the compliance side, but is really, really important. And when you set up a business by yourself, unless you are in HR, it can be the thing that you never get around to. And then you come unstuck um, when you face. Um, and then the other side is the, the you know, side in terms of the culture. So what kind of culture are you building? What behaviors do you encourage uh, within? what do you value um what do you, well not what do you not value but what what behaviors are acceptable and what's not it's one of those things isn't it where you you, you probably realize you should have had it but you realize it too late because you realize it when you should have had it and you go oh no oh no oh no i wish i'd done this a little bit earlier because now i'm in the uh in the mud <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely I would, I would say probably one of the most common ones is around managing sickness absence so still very often clients will think that there's nothing they can do about that so if somebody's having a lot of time off sick <laughs> if we look at short term which can sometimes be assumed that maybe the person's not genuine and that's a whole other subject for another day <laughs> but if you don't have a policy how do you know when to start managing that more formally whether to give warnings ultimately potentially whether to dismiss but if you don't have a policy and a process you're a little bit stuck and that's why sometimes with clients issues issues will have gone on for years yeah sure and also if they go on for years eventually you can set a culture that encourages others to follow the same kind of behaviors which is what you want to shut down but so we're going to pivot slightly and just find out a little bit more about you Time to find out more about you. So uh, the woman behind the business. So Emma, how do you relax in your downtime? <laughs> well, I also have, well, now, well, one's nearly a teenager. Um, two two teenagers, one or one nearly. Um, there's a lot of them around to different things. Uh, but when, when I get a chance to relax, um, yeah, I like spending time with uh, friends and family. Um, I like going to cinema and theatre if I get the chance to do that. Um, and I also, I'm not particularly good at it, but I also really like CrossFit. That's my, that's my attempt at being healthy, but I actually really enjoy it as well. <laughs> nice. Nice. You're used to doing the old, the old wads at the end, which, uh, the beasting wads. I used to do CrossFit years ago and I, God, it, I just remember those wads at the end. They were just hellish. Absolutely hellish. Yeah. And sometimes I'll walk into the office and they're like, oh, have you been to CrossFit? I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> still red, still sweating, still recovering. So who, who are the two people? Who are the two people who have been the most influential to you in your career? Ooh, in my career, um, I think probably my the the person who was my boss at that time, the HR manager in the manufacturing company, um, because I learned so much from her because I was still relatively green at that point. Um, but also I learned just as much from her about how, how to be a good manager um, because she was uh, – very supportive. I mean, actually, she's still a, she's still a friend now. That many years later, even though now she works in Dubai, um, but also it was very clear where the line was, you know, between being a manager. Um, and I thought that was really important um, because that's something that I get asked a lot: Can you be a friend and a manager? Um, and I will always say yes, as long as both parties know where the line is. <laughs> Sure, sure. Actually, I have to I have to ask. Now. I'm going slightly offside, offset here. Is she still an HR leader in Dubai now? Uh, she is. Yeah, she um, uh, went out to work for a large, I think, a large chain of. They have enormous shopping malls out there, don't they? Yes, yeah. I think it's the world's biggest, isn't it, in Dubai? Uh, listen, I only mentioned this slightly off, off piece because one of my best friends um, is a, an HR director, also in Dubai. And um, although Dubai is a big place in terms of uh, British 
um, sort of HR diesel have gone over. It's probably quite a small community, so you may well find they know each other. I'll have to find out off air if they're, if they're connected. Yeah. There you go. I was going to say, yeah. Unless your friend is Emma Seymour, which is my friend, then otherwise that would be really scary. Uh, no, this is a Natalie, so okay. that they might know each other. Oh, we'll have to find out. And- uh, who, I think, who would be the second one? Actually, the second one would probably be one of my lecturers when uh, I did my CICD all those years ago. Um, who's sadly no longer with us, but he was just so enthusiastic about his topic. <laughs> um, so he taught reward management, which is not well payroll because I'm not qualified in payroll. But how do you, you know, how do you decide how to pay, reward, motivate uh, people? Um, and he just made it such a, a fascinating topic and really interesting. There's still things again that he he taught me then. Obviously, things move on, but actually the basics are still there. <laughs> Yeah, passion's amazing. And are there any resources that have really helped you on your journey? Um, I love, I do, I, I do love a TED talk, I say. Um, so, yeah, listening to different, either if it's just I want to look at a different perspective, or maybe I'll either search on at definite speakers if somebody says, "Oh, have you watched this?" Or I find if you just put a topic in, there'll always be somebody um, who's got really something really interesting um, to say. Um, but I'm also very much, um, which is obviously when we met in Ibiza, um, I do like a conference, not not for the obvious also reasons of it's it's good fun as well. Um, uh, learning from speakers. So one of the speakers we saw, Rod Savage, Roz even. So I'm into her audio book at the moment. For those who aren't familiar, Rod Savage was the first um, first woman to, to row across the Atlantic, wasn't she? Or British woman to row across the Atlantic? She was, yeah. And, and the Pacific. Pacific. Yeah. And the Indian as well, I think. And she did it solo. She did it solo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do that. I'd be awful if I didn't see people, you know, I'm, I'm, I know it sounds cheesy as an HR person, but I'm very much a people person. So I would drive myself crazy <laughs> if I was alone for that. It was a really inspirational talk. We were obviously both present for it. It was, it was a fantastic talk. So for those that haven't checked it out, I'll put a link in the episode notes. Uh, but Roz Savage is, uh, is the lady that gave the talk and it was uh, yeah, a very inspirational uh, lady. Um, Slightly different. If you could be given any superpower, Emma, what would it be and why? Um, I think it would be to occasionally be able to stop time. So not time travel, because obviously Michael J. Fox proved that's a dangerous thing to do. But (laughs) um, (laughs) moments where you're just having such a lovely time. So whether that's, you know, with family or friends and you want that kind of not literally that moment to last forever, almost just be able to put it on pause and look around and remember everything before it's gone. Nice, nice. I like that. It's a new one as well, a new one for the podcast. I like that. Uh, yeah, first time. I like that. Uh, last question, and we're going to jump back into some more of the uh, the HR-related questioning. But if you could invite three people to a dinner party, who would they be and why? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I would probably invite, I don't know if you've come across this man, somebody called Sir Ken Robinson, who's uh, big in the education world, but about how the education system is all wrong. And he's just fascinating. And I've seen him talk, but I could listen to him for hours. <laughs> So, uh, Robinson, uh, John Cleese, just because he's my absolute favorite in terms of a comedy, and uh, Gary Barlow, which purely because he could sing or you know, I could just look at him. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Excellent. Yeah, I probably should have put a woman in there somewhere, but they, they were the three that came to mind. So That's cool. That's cool. Let's see what comes naturally. First three in the, in the, in the door, not a problem. Have you ever asked yourself... How can any recruiter understand my HR recruitment challenges? Please don't give up on your hiring challenges just yet. Here at JGA HR Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top human resources talent. We also understand just how costly a poor hire can be. JGA HR Recruitment would like to partner with you to help you overcome your hiring challenges. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. Shaping the future of human resources together. Final questions. So let's, let's dive back in. And actually, um, you, you stole some thunder from me earlier because you mentioned your experience with the Chartered Management Institute or the CMI. Um, I know that you've got a you know, good partnership with them. Actually, I'm... I'm um, part of the institute myself. I'm, I'm doing my own uh, professional consulting qualification to the CMI. So I know the, um, the, the 
the Institute quite well myself. Um, but I know that you've been quite heavily involved in designing and delivering management qualifications. So I wonder if you could tell me a little bit more about what this work involves and how it's, I mean, you've touched upon it already, but how it's really been benefiting businesses. Yeah. So we're um, authorised, or well, we're a registered CMI centre, so that means that we can deliver qualifications at levels uh, three, three and five in management leadership and coaching and mentoring. Um, and what that means in based on, as I'm sure you'll appreciate, a very strenuous audit process, quite rightly, that they know that we know they know what we're doing and we're capable of building a course to meet their requirements. So um, the management and leadership course, which is what I was doing one of the workshops for um, today, um, and a lot of it's around obviously what makes a great a great manager, a great leader, how do you combine the two? Obviously, the ongoing discussion of what is the difference between the two um and how they put that into practice but what what behaviors are expected of good leaders and managers and a lot of it is about then people sitting back and thinking oh yeah actually sometimes i do or don't do that and how that reflects on their reputation but also the impact it has on the team um and then we also look at um a mission vision strategy so it's even though all still related to people it's not all hr related if that makes sense <laughs> so how as an organization do you establish what your vision and mission are and we spend quite a lot of time looking at are these documents kind of worth the paper they're written on <laughs> that makes sense so it's not just something that you put up in reception and it looks nice but if you ask some anybody in the business they wouldn't know what it was <laughs> um or is it doing this is the vision this is what we're all working towards and we all know we all know what we're doing. So that's kind of the first half of that course, which takes uh, three months. And then the second half, which this group we're about to go into, um, is all around teams and high-performing teams. So what makes a great team? How do you put a good team together? And so they deliver the results that your organisation needs. So if I was to bottle that up and put you on the spot, in your mind, A, what makes for a great leader and B, what makes for a great team? Yeah, um, a great leader is somebody who can inspire in their uh, sorry, sphere of influence. So it, they might not be their direct line manager, but somebody that inspires you to work towards that, that common goal and that common vision. <laughs> um, and, and a great team is a team that, you know, again, works together and achieves the goal. So the big part of that is knowing what are we working towards so we're not all going off in different directions. <laughs> Sure, sure. And then the communication piece there is obviously really, really key. You know, as you say, no point in having it on a notice board pinned up if no one's reading it and no one understands what that goal is. So um, that communication key piece comes back again. One thing I had to mention, because I know in HR, you get asked quite a lot as to you know whether or not you get involved in recruitment. I thought it was quite an interesting question. And I saw this on your blog as well, because you're, or one of your biggest client bases, as you've mentioned, are recruiters like me through your involvement with, uh, with the RDLC. So when you get asked by clients whether or not you do recruitment, I know your answer is kind of yes and kind of no, because you support you know, a lot of the recruit the areas that affect recruitment, but obviously you are not a recruitment agency. So how would you answer that question now? If I was to ask you, you know, okay, Emma, do you get involved in recruitment? How would you answer that question? Yeah. Um, we will always say that we don't do the kind of the the actual recruitment, if that makes sense. So we do the bit beforehand. So we'll sit with the client and say, establish what it is that they really want for for the team and the business. So the classic is, you know, somebody hands in their notice, you're in a bit of a panic really easy just to go out for exactly the same thing but getting them to think through actually before you do that is that still the role that it was when that person joined is that still what the business and the team needs um, and whether you know whether that then turns to whatever you want to call it a job description or a role profile making sure that it's the right thing um, and then we'd also work with them in terms of okay so where is this person or people most likely to be found and how, how to do that but we don't do any of the recruitment so we would then obviously we've got a big network so we would say actually work with x agency or, or y agency who specialize in um what you're looking for i mean obviously some clients will say well actually we want we want to do it ourselves um or maybe due to budget they need to do it themselves i mean whether that's cost efficient we could come back to that <laughs> um but if that 
to look at, okay, if it's going on your website, you know, what does it look like? How likely are you to attract the right people <laughs> um, doing that way? So we say all the advisory things around it, but the actual recruitment, finding the right, the right person. And again, we'll help then in the selection. Process. So if a, a, a recruitment agency puts forward three or four great candidates, will quite often get involved in the interview process. Sure, sure, that makes sense. I mean, has your, because you're in quite a unique position, really, in terms of your exposure to the inner workings of recruitment businesses because of your relationship with the RDLC. So with that in mind, has, has that changed your perception of what recruitment agencies do? Or has it, has it changed, you know, how, how you viewed the recruitment industry, having, you know, that, that unique position to view it from a slightly different angle? Yeah, I think it has. I mean, one of my first roles after you, I mentioned that I did kind of office management roles was actually in a, a headhunting company. Baptism <laughs> um, of fire at the age of whatever that was, 22, 23. So again, that was nothing I'd come across before. Um, so I did that kind of background knowledge, but yeah, certainly working with lots of recruiters um, and looking at the figures and because sometimes, you know, clients might say, Oh, it's going to be whatever X, X thousand or, or a percentage to find the right person. But then equally, I can then back to them with figures from people like the CMI or the CIPD to say, actually, if you do it yourself, the chances are it will probably cost you almost as much in terms of management. And again, it comes back to I wouldn't attempt to do my accounts because that's not my specialist area. So it's going out to a good agency that knows the market has good candidates or access to good candidates. So as the client you're spending your time selecting from the best rather than weeks trying to find where those people are sure sure that makes perfect sense well it's nice to hear it from your you know from your point of view it wasn't a question i'd planned for the podcast but it kind of lended itself to ask because it's um you know it's quite rare someone has that kind of uh, that view of it and it's um you know obviously i would support all of those arguments um but i also equally understand that you know, people sometimes have to go direct for, for budgetary reasons, but um, yes, yeah, that time saving element. Well, we're nearly into the LD vaults. A couple of last questions I'd like to ask uh, quickly. And I, I want to go back to the employee experience piece briefly, because I know that's something that's really central to, 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 to the, the core beliefs of what Gateway HR are offering. And I know the employee experience is obviously really important to you, and it, it's not, it isn't the same thing as employee engagement necessarily. So I just wondered if you could you know, talk to us a little bit about why why you put so much value on the employee experience and why you think it's so important. Yeah, um, it's, again, probably two answers. So you've got the thing that I I personally, which I know lots of people do as well, have a very strong, whatever you want to call it, moral compass or ethical um, stance. So we won't actually work with organisations that don't uh, treat their employees properly. Um, obviously, we won't work with them if, if it's illegal, but there's a whole different level in terms of what's right and, and what's wrong. So you've got the human aspect. But also from a, from a business point of view, so quite often people say a lot of the stuff that goes on around engagement and experience is all kind of uh, soft and fun. And I will always argue that back and say, well, it, you know, you can call it what you like, but that's what will make your business money. So if your employees have a great experience working for you, funnily enough, they're going to be the employees that, you know, put in the extra effort all together with have the great ideas because they love working for you so they're constantly looking for better ways of doing things so actually by doing all the things to make the place a great place to work has huge benefits um and in, in, in my spare time did my master's in employee engagement so all the all the research actually shows the links between the businesses that do it really well are usually the business outperform all the others yeah which which you know wouldn't be a surprise to me for sure I'm, I'm doing similar studies in my ma at the moment but um yeah i mean it, it it makes sense doesn't it if someone's enjoying their job then you 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 believe in it more and you put that little bit of extra work in um fantastic yeah and it's always i always say the employee experience even in not so nice situations so we we've had things with clients where you know, they've had to make cutbacks, they've had to make redundancies, but we still say, well, you can still do that in, in, a, in a, you know, in a, in a sensitive way, in an empathetic way. And we've had situations where clients have employees that are leaving the business, but they're actually saying, well, thank you. You know, you treated me really well. 
I know you didn't have any other option. This had to happen, but thank you for how you've supported me through this process. And you think, well, if you can get it right in those kind of situations, then you know you're you're doing it well. Absolutely, it means they can remain advocates of your brand even after they've left your business as well, which is equally as important. Absolutely, you know, brand is key at the moment. And the, the wonder that is. The wonder that is social media or you've got Glassdoor, which I always describe as the, the trip advisor of the um, employment world. Um, and even even if you're not doing it because it's the right thing to do, you should always treat people properly because word soon spreads um, and employer reputation can drop off really quickly. Well, I mean, I could I could spend all day talking to you about a variety of issues and and, and things within HR because you cover such a remit, and um, it's been fantastic having to cover the questions that we have done today. If you could step into my shoes now, what would you have asked yourself that I didn't? Um, I would have asked the key topics that are going on in the HR world at the moment. Perfect. So, Emma, what's the key topic affecting the HR world at the moment? Um. I would say one of the key key ones, which has been rumbling along for a while, but it's really taken to a whole new level, but in a good way, um, is all the work around mental health. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's it's like I said, it's not, it's not new, obviously, um, but due to lots of kind of, in a good way, high, high profile work um, and cases and lots of work with people looking at reducing the stigma of mental health, either in the workplace or outside of that. Um, but organisations now really having to kind of step up um, and do something about that because mental health, for quite a few years now, mental health and stress have been the highest cause of workplace absence in pretty much every sector. <laughs> yeah, it should be about doing the right thing. Um, but we put a case together for a business um, a couple of weeks ago for some training on mental health, and we looked at all the statistics for their sector, which was manufacturing. Um, and presented that to the board to say, well, here are your potential savings <laughs> if you take this seriously. Um, and that that did the trick. Fantastic. Well, that's a great way as well of using, you know, the other hot topic at the moment, certainly in the in the HR and the payroll space is analytics and how you can really utilize data to support efficiency savings. So um, you know, that's a, a brilliant example of, of a two hot topics, I guess, that are covering the market at the moment, how you can use them carefully together. Well, so we're going to open the L&D vault. Opening the L&D vault. In hindsight, what's one thing you know now that you wish you had known when you began your HR career? I think it would have been, which, like I said, is kind of where, where I am now, um, is ways look behind what you're seeing. So look, look for the cause rather than the symptoms. <laughs> so if you've got a, a team where there's really high absence, I always say either you're really unlucky and you've got a really unhealthy bunch of people which again is something that evolve, but the chances are it's going to be something else that people don't want to be uh, working in that team. So deal, deal with the, the operational side that you need to, but then delve a little bit deeper and work out what's causing it. Fantastic. What's the one common myth you often hear in the workplace in relation to leadership or human resources? And can you debunk it? Yeah, the, like I said, uh, human resources is just the department that kind of no, no, nobody wants to spend any time with. You know, you only, you only see HR if there's something wrong. Um, like I said, sadly, in lots of organisations, that is that is true, which is why it kind of perpetuates. But actually, human resources should just be what people are doing all the time. So making sure that managers are good managers and then look at kind of uh, building the culture that makes the organization successful. Sure, perfect. What is the one piece of advice you would give to someone embarking on a new career in HR? I would say, just from my experience, but still speaking obviously to lots of students, um, is to just get into HR at whatever level you can. It seems to be, and Nick, you probably know this better than I would, it's very difficult to get in to HR, but once you're in, and obviously you do a good job, you can then progress and go into different areas. So even if you could, you know, you could operate at a higher higher level if it's the organisation and the role you want to go for to get in and then work your way up. I totally agree. I think also there's more opportunities now than has ever been. It it's not doesn't have to be as you know as as operational transactional as as HR admin officer through to HR manager director. You know they've got opportunities now in HR lecturing, for example. And you've done some lecturing at the college. You've got HRIS and systems. You've got you know, learning and development, analytics. I mean, 
even human resources and sales, software, project management, transformation, organizational development. Like if you get if you get your foot in that door, it's it the, you know the the world is your oyster if you know where you want to go. And I don't think it's um as linear as it used potentially used to be. I think now there are huge opportunities, and if you you know you can kind of follow whatever path that you really floats your boat really, which is quite exciting. Last question before we finish: What does HR mean to you? Oh, uh, HR means to me adding genuine value to whatever organisation you're working in or for, uh, because it's it's only ever going to be people that make the difference. So any any of the big theories around uh, leadership or what makes a great business. So I've just been reading um, Good to Great by Jim Collins, um, and obviously it talks about a lot of things, but actually nearly all of it comes back to people. <laughs> So if you get the people your business right, everything else is going to flow from that. Fantastic. What a great way to finish. Well, listen, thank you ever so much, Emma, for joining me today. Uh, if people are listening to this and maybe they're a, business, a small business owner like myself who you know wants to outsource their HR service, wants to have a conversation about an issue that they're going through at the moment or just wants to have an informal chat, where can listeners connect with you online? Useful links, keeping the HR L&D community connected. Um, so I'm uh, very active on LinkedIn. So um, just Emma Wynn on LinkedIn, I can send you through. Well, we're connected, aren't we? So you can share that. Um, but also you can go on to our website or just just give us a call in the office. That would be great. Fantastic. And I'll make sure that your LinkedIn profile, um, your website, which is gatewayhr.com and any other links are available on the episode notes as well. So if you are interested, click on the episode notes right now. Um, a, click on subscribe to this podcast and then pick up the phone and give Emma a call. It'll all be available in the episode notes. So, of course, I would be remiss not to say that uh, myself as host of the hr and podcast, I'm also an HR recruitment specialist. So if you do have an HR-related vacancy and you do have the budget to work with an HR specialist, then please do get in touch with me. I'd love to have a conversation with you. You can reach me directly at nick at jgarecruitment.com or you can give me a call on 01727 800 377. Again, those links will also be in the episode notes. So that's all. Thanks again for listening, folks. I look forward to bringing you the next episode of the HLND podcast real soon. And I just want to say another huge thanks, Emma, for joining me today. It's been a fantastic conversation. Thanks ever so much. Lovely. No, yeah, thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for tuning into the HR L&D podcast with your host, Nick Day of JGA HR Recruitment. If you need help with a current HR or L&D vacancy, then please get in touch with Nick and his team. All contact details can be found in the episode notes. In the meantime, to make sure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show through any of your favorite podcast.